All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you to a brand new episode of SCAR. And SCAR stands for Seeking Courage and Redemption with Dustin Rivenbark. Now, we've got a great podcast lined up for you today. We have a great guest on the line. But before we get into all of that, I want to tell you sort of the intent of the podcast, kind of the the why are we here, so to speak. And we're here to work out our hardships, our tribulations, our issues, our trials, and all of that in such a way that we can begin to unfold and uncover God's plan and purpose for our life. But you may be listening to this and say, but Dustin, but why do I need to listen to Scar? I'm so glad you asked because the truth is we all have stuff. We all have issues, hardships, things, right? We all have things that kind of come up and and start to impact our lives. And if we're not careful, they can even change the trajectory of our lives. So that, my friend, is why you need to be here, because we want to be able to share our hardships share our knowledge, uh, share the things that we have gone through, and help each other become the best versions of ourselves. Now, with all of that being said, I want to introduce you my new friend, Mr. Robert Althaus. Please say hello. Hi there. Uh, I appreciate you uh, inviting me to this, uh, this podcast. I'm excited about it. Yes, I am excited too. So now, for those of you who don't know, we actually recorded this podcast yesterday and we were 30 minutes into this bad boy and dropped it and lost the entire thing so we are redoing it but hey we're not gonna let frustration get the best of us are we robert no no we're not and we're just gonna make it a little better we had a nice rehearsal yesterday yeah (laughs) yes man and so robert i I love, uh, for our listeners who don't know Robert Althaus, he has a, a great story of kind of, it's almost like a a, a riches to rags to riches again uh, story. And so um, really want to really wanna dive into this. Robert, tell us a little bit about you um, and kind of how we got here, and then we'll dive into this thing. Right, right. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, so I'm... Uh... You know, I, I came here to the United States in my mid twenties. I'm originally from Europe, and uh, about seventy bucks in a duffel bag. And I put myself through night school. I, I was living the American dream. I, I was uh, in real estate. I went to business school. I had the opportunity to go to an Ivy League school, and um, then I got into um, to big corporate America. I joined G Capital and had a had a beautiful career there. Um, you know, things went really fast. Uh, then in uh, 2008. When the financial crisis hit, we uh, we wound down some of the units that uh, that I was a part of, and I bought out um, a business from GE, and that's how I got into business for myself. And the next uh, ten years or so, I uh, I was busy in uh, real estate development, mostly uh, airports around the world. So I traveled a lot, and I'm, I apologize, my, my my voice is a little hoarse. No, you're good. And uh, I was active in, uh, in private equity and venture capital and all those um, kind of fancy uh, fancy things. And then around 2015, I, um, I sold a big part of my business that was in Latin America. And I found myself in my early 40s. I had made kind of all that money that I thought was going to make me happy. I had the beautiful house in an oceanfront community uh, here in Miami. I had, um, you know, the beautiful wife, the kids, the toys, the cars, you know, you name it. And I was just um, disillusioned because I wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. I was really feeling empty. And um, I also felt like I had sold my soul. I had become a man and a person that <laughs> I didn't recognize anymore. And 
you know, I swam with the sharks and I became a shark and, and I was a narcissistic asshole to tell you the truth. Uh, you know, I wasn't a good husband. I was, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to say mean spirited, but you know, I was just ferocious in my ambition and, uh, just pulverized everything in his path. Uh, just, just a heartless guy. And, um, so it had taken its toll. I mean, I was in the, in the world sense, I was, you know, very successful, but on the inside, I was really, uh, my soul was bankrupt. And, uh, and, and, you know, I was kind of confronted with that. I, I really just couldn't stand the guy I saw in the mirror, the man that I had become. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of where things started unraveling and forced me to look inside and see, well, what, what else is there to life? Um, than, than just this, what I've been pursuing for the last 20 years. You know, this is huge, Robert. I love that you've come forward with this message because um, I, I love the wordplay that you use. You talked about your, your soul was empty, and then you, you said, my soul was bankrupt. And that just makes me think of uh, just depravity, man, total depravity and separation from purpose anymore. And so I just, I, I guess I kind of want to touch on that a little bit. Um, what made you come to the realization, the conclusion that, yo, this isn't working for me anymore. My soul is bankrupt. Like, like I'm a heartless person. What around you kind of gave you that indication? Well, you know, when, when for me, it, 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 I was trying to fill up, you know, this hole on the inside with uh, all these pursuits on the outside. So the money, the, the fame, the validation, the recognition, you know, the, the, the houses, the cars, you know, everything was just trying to fill this, this void on the inside. And that, that void was, you know, low self-worth, just not feeling enough. I had a very stoic father that wasn't particularly, uh, you know, uh, expressive. And, you know, I always wanted him to be proud of me and I wanted him to tell me that he loved me and, and, and you know he never did uh, he was he was a hard ass and so I was always just pursuing the next thing and I needed to be better and I needed to become something uh, of course not realizing that you know the moment the moment we come out of the womb I mean we're already enough and yeah. uh, I just didn't have that appreciation I, I just felt I had to be in this rat race on this carousel uh, and I just got lost in it and you know over time as I got exposed to um, you know, more and more money uh, and corruption, uh, fraud, you know, those types of things. I mean, it, it, it kind of chisels away the, the integrity of your backbone. And, you know, I, I took licenses there. I, I wasn't a good husband. I, I became a cheater. And, um, you know, all those things in the end, when you look yourself in the mirror, I have this belief now that every man, you know, at his core, wants to be noble and just and, and, and wise and strong and courageous. You know, you want, we have this innate nature that want to be a man of integrity. And I wasn't that at all anymore. So even though I had all these accumulations on the outside of my life and my LinkedIn profile looked fantastic, um, I knew it was a lie because I wasn't a shadow of the man that I really wanted to be. You know, and, um, you know, I Robert, to, to, myself anymore. To, to notice that and, and to be able to stand here on a platform and say those words is powerful, man. That is, you know, first of all, kudos to you for being able to get this story out, for being able to recognize this. You know, being born, you said, uh, when you're born, you're enough. And and so uh, I just want to encourage whoever's listening right now that feels less than or not equal to, I just want you to know that you are enough and that you have what it takes and what you don't. Um, God will 
equip you for in, in, in the future. And I just, I'm so thankful that you um, are coming forward with this, especially about your father and saying, you know, he, he was stoic and, and that you wanted uh, him to love you. You wanted him to see you. You wanted to be seen. And here's, and here's the thing, Robert, we all do, man. We all want to be seen and we all want to feel like we're a part, but we can get caught up in this pursuit of more. Now tell me, uh, tell me how that can, man, how that can, how can that ruin your life? How did it ruin your life? Well, I, I got carried away by it, right? And, and so, you know, I'm a very competitive person, and I became literally a prisoner of my own ambition. Um, it was just never enough. And, uh, you know, I, my book is Never Enough-itis. Uh, we will talk about it a little later. And, you know, this notion that it's just never enough, uh, it, it you're always, you know, once you, accumula- you accumulate or you, you accomplish something, you know, whether it was a career or a promotion, you know, I remember in GE, I became a uh, Event in GE at age 34 when I was there for about three and a half years, and that's top one percent of GE. That's that's out of 320,000 people, I was in the top 3,000 people. And the moment I became that, I enjoyed it for about five minutes, and then I had my sides. Well, there was something called a senior EB, you know, and I was already like thinking about the next thing that I wanted, and and you know, so I wasn't enjoying any of these things that I was accomplishing. It was just. You know, I was just on to the next thing, moving the goalpost. So, you know, I was making, obviously, you know, throughout some of those years, a, a lot of money. But, you know, if I fought like, you know, 100000 was a lot, then, you know, once I made that, I wanted to make 200000 and, you know, and so on and so forth. So it was never, it was never satisfying. It's almost like you're, uh, you're on this carousel. Or I even compare it to people, you know, they have these rep tests where they go to this little nipple and they suck a little sugar, they get a little sugar rush, a little dopamine rush. And that's that life, right? Where we're just chasing all this stuff, but it's not inherently making us happy. It's not really fulfilling us. And, you know, what it came at the expense of feeling, of loving, of, um, you know, I lost the connection with uh, with my wife. I wasn't that great of a father uh, you know, during those, those, those years that I was so obsessed with building my business and, um, you know, I was traveling all the time. So my priorities were completely skewed and, um, and it represented in every area of my life. And I, I, you know, I used drugs and alcohol and, and, uh, you know, I had sleeping pills, I had ulcers in my stomach, you know, and, and we think that all that stuff is normal. You know, we just, you know, we consume pharmaceuticals, uh, you know, we have, thrills that we seek we have video games or binge you know tv binge watching and there's all these these displacement activities that we get lost in because we just we have to numb this pain inside us so once i started looking at all that stuff it's like there's got to be a better way and at the time i didn't know what it was but um i just felt like i need to get off this carousel this is like this is a death trap for me you know this is going to kill me literally you know, this is all powerful stuff here, and I'm glad you kind of connected it to the whole video games, the whole everything we consume, everything we do, this sugar rush, this chase of adrenaline, this whole never-ending pursuit of more, brother. It's a trap, and, you know, with with this thing, um, I've done it. I've tried climbing the corporate ladder and, and all of that, and, and so I've been caught in that trap, and the trap of more is that it's unattainable because by the time you get more that 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 whole 
idea of more is still there and it never goes away so by the time you attain it you've lost it because you're seeking more and so it's it's a powerful powerful drug now uh explain to me you mentioned your book never enough itis explain to me the concept behind that i want to know kind of what do you mean by never enough itis and what do you want people to grab from that yeah um, so let, let me let me explain where it came from. So when I, I got divorced in late 2017, and I, I that, that really just um, you know broke my heart in, in, in 10,000 pieces, and it, it it forced me to feel really because I was quite stoic myself, and I had such uh, repressed feelings and emotions because I I wasn't really expressing any of this stuff. I was just a, a cyborg on a mission, and wow. um, you know, and as I as as my heart opened up, I couldn't get the genie back in the bottle, so I went into intensive therapy and. The therapist told me to journal and, you know, to, to just get these emotions out and, and you know, all these feelings that I had. Um, and I wasn't that great of a journaler, so I asked her, Can I, you know, what if I make it a book? Because if it's a project, I'm more likely to do it. She said, I just want you to write. So honestly, honestly that was the origin of the book. It was self-therapy. I mean, it was just kind of journaling and, and, and documenting, like, you know, what, what, how have I lived my life and how, what decisions have I made? And, and, you know, I just really analyze it, like, how do I show up in life? And where does this come from? Where, what are these wounds and scars that is fueling this, right? What's the cause of this? Because the effect is, is the result in your life, but what's the cause of all this stuff? And it just forced me to really look into all these things. So the, originally the book was called Overcoming Me, because that was my working title, but I used this concept of never enough finest because I felt like I was always chasing more and I just could never get satisfied, just like you say. And, and, wow. and you know, the goal, I, I was constantly moving the goalposts and I was doing that. It wasn't like the world was doing that. Um, to some extent, you know, the world kind of lures you into this game, but you know, you are always doing this yourself. You have to own your own life. And, and um, you know, I was doing this. It was never enough for me. And it was because I was trying to fill this hole on the inside, this, this low self-worth that I have. I was trying to fill it with things on the outside, and that's never going to work. It's not where it's going to come from. Um, so that, that ultimately became uh, my book, and Never Enough Fight is just really this, I, I feel this disease that we have where, uh, and this is just humanity, you know, we're just on this, this ferocious appetite for just more and more and more, but we actually forget this be in the moment we forget to be you know spend quality time with our loved ones we're so busy working having two or three jobs and you know focusing on the next thing that we want to buy or the next thing we want to accumulate and then taking on huge amounts of debt so we actually lose our freedom because now we're beholding to you know the debt that we have uh, so now we have to work we really can't even make a choice to take a month off or do something like that so i think we just have a really um, screwed up way of looking uh, what, what what really quality of life is and then when you look in the U.S., um, you know, this is all represented in our health statistics too, right? We spend more per capita on health care than any other country in the world by a factor of five or something. And we're, like, I think we're somewhere in the, in the, in the 150th ranked country in, in terms of health. We have massive obesity issues, health issues, you know, adrenal gland thyroids. We have uh, diabetes is an epidemic, you know, and, and you have to look at these things. Like, that's not our nature. Our nature is to be healthy and in balance and coherence so clearly our lives are not in coherence right because you know we're very unhealthy in general we only have to look at our general health high blood pressure is another example um you know so we have so many examples where this lifestyle that we're living is just um 
you know, probably uh, worthwhile reexamining. You know, the, you're you're so on point with with a lot of this. I love your wordplay here. You you refer to yourself as a cyborg on a mission, man. I could, you know, gosh, I could so relate to that. I could just see this this dead soul of of just marching into the abyss with this whole idea of consuming and taking down anything in front of me just all in the name of more 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 now you've you've been through a lot man from flying high to being laid off and all of that and kind of seeing uh where the craziness of life can take you. What do you say to somebody, man? What do you tell somebody who may be trapped in that, um, uh, who may be trapped in that right now? Yeah. So the first thing I, I, I tell everybody, and I learned this, um, you know, the hard way that, that everything is always in perfect order. Um, you know, life is exactly the way it needs to be. Um, there's no mistakes. There's no flukes. There's no accidents. Uh, you know, whatever is on your path right now. The problem is we don't really connect the dots until we see it through the rearview mirror. We rarely see it when we're in the middle of it. So we just have to kind of weather the storm and just know that everything is in perfect order. The second thing I would say is some of the greatest gifts in your life are going to come wrapped in sandpaper. Mm. And some of these, mm. um, some of these crises or catastrophes or you know, things that seemingly um, seem to disrupt or derail your life. Uh, you might think your whole life is ruined. Um, those actually are probably the biggest blessings that you get because it forces us to change. It forces us to, to grow and evolve. And unfortunately, when we're just kind of cruising along and there's no crisis or catastrophe, we don't tend to really learn and change. Uh, you know, yeah. we're creatures of comfort and we just kind of cruise along and nothing really happens. So I, I always... Um, tell people when, when they're in the deep crisis uh, of whatever sort, it could be a health crisis, it could be a lost job, financial relationship, it, it, it doesn't matter. You know, there's lessons here, there's growth, there's evolution here, and you're going to come out of this a bigger, uh, a, a bigger, better person. The second part that I, uh, or the third part really, is, you know, when you think about an innate, I think, need that people have as important as breath, as oxygen, is we want to be of service to others we want to matter and we forget that so much in our society where we're so focused on self-interest and which is really greed so you know i talk i talk about a life of greed versus a life of um, of grace i talk about vice versus virtue love versus fear what's driving you in your life and you know these these seemingly bad situations in life um they focus us to you know to look at these things where when when things are just kind of chugging along we don't tend to really look at these too hard um so i think there's always beauty uh, some poetic beauty when, when lives unravel my own life unraveled uh in, in late 2017 i i went from the top of the mountain to being on the on the, on the edge of bankruptcy which i balanced for about two years because i had a hurricane wipe out one of my businesses and i had personal guarantees on it and so um but, you know, I, I look back at that now and, you know, it formed me as a person. It showed me perspective. It, it, it taught me, you know, so much about myself and, and the perspective I have on life. So I'm really grateful for it now. And right. the final thing I would say, uh, sorry. Is, no, you're um, good. Um, the final thing I would say is, you know, when, when we think about helping other people, uh, which in, in some level or some sense, um, you know, we all do, you can't truly empathize with someone unless you've been there yourself. Yes. And, uh, and so I think when we start seeing our own hardships and suffering 
as an opportunity in the future to help other people. We can see more purpose in it. Where suffering for the sake of suffering, there's not a lot of purpose in that. That's and right. So I, I always tell people just see see how you're going to be able to help people. The compassion you're going to have, you're going to you're going to help. Um, you know, you, this is not just for you. This is there's a bigger picture here. You know, and and Robert, I don't want to. I don't want to take away the monkey in the room. A lot of people are, a lot of people are the elephant in the room. A lot of people are saying, you know, um, yeah, that's nice and all. Like I hear you, but big tech, big business, big industry, uh, calls for me to be this way. They don't care about my sick child. They don't care about this or that. They care about the bottom line. They care about the dollar. You are. Uh, uh, to to be this way, like like it it can be a ruthless pit. So somebody that finds themselves um trying to be financially secure in this big industry lifestyle and all of that, how could they find a work balance? How could they find a balance with their life? How could they find a balance with their family and still adhere to the core values? I say that with air quotes because a lot of them really don't have it in big industry. But how do you adhere to the core values and still try to grow and maintain a healthy balance? Yeah. Well, I, I think the first thing is, you know, whatever you believe, that's how the world's going to look to you. So if you believe that that's the way the, way the world works, that's exactly what you're going to find. Um, and, uh, and, you know, you have to question yourself. You know, if, if, is it in alignment to work for this big tech company or for this company that's forcing you to do this? Is that in, in the alignment of your spiritual vision? Are you, are you even clear on your own spiritual vision, what you want to create in your life? If you're married or in a relationship, you would, you know, want to sit down with your significant other and, and like create a spiritual vision. That's your North Star. And then, you know, what job or career or how you make money, I mean, you kind of, you know, look at that in, in, in conjunction with what we were trying to create. What are our priorities? What's important to us? Um, do we want to make another ten or twenty thousand dollars? Is it more important to have some freedom to, uh, you know, be home at five o'clock uh, in the afternoon and spend more time with our loved ones? I mean, these are all personal choices, of course. There's no good or bad choice, but um, I think the world shows up the way you believe it um, to be structured. Um, it's always going to be alignment with your prevailing thoughts. Uh, it really is because there's unlimited potential. You know, those tech companies aren't the only jobs. Those aren't the only opportunities. And and then the other thing is, I believe that every human being, you know, we're all here on some soul plan, some blueprint, and we all have been gifted. Um, you know, the gifts, talents, and superpowers that we need to fulfill our life plan. Uh, there's no mistakes in this universe. You know, there's there's nothing you have to do in this world or create in this world or that's, you know, a passion within you that you don't have the resources to do. You have to just tap into it. And I think once we're in alignment with our purpose and we, we have clarity on that, we're going to see that, uh, like Mark Twain says, you know, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. So... Um, I think a lot of people are in the wrong jobs and the wrong careers. They're doing it for the wrong reasons. They're just doing it to make a paycheck, and so it's always going to be cumbersome. You know, I, I love that. Um, um, I, I agree uh, wholeheartedly that, you know, we can often find ourselves in this, this pursuit of a paycheck rather than our purpose, rather than our plan for our lives. Uh, what do you think vo- – what role do you think vulnerability plays in this? Being, uh, it's not a natural thing for somebody to open up and be vulnerable and and ask themselves right. these real questions. 
How? Why is that so critical? Well, first of all, vulnerability is connection, right? If we and, and I think connection again is just like oxygen is something that we're social animals. We we crave connection. You know, we live in uh, families, we live in tribes, we live in communities. There's a reason for that. You know, we're not lone wolves, and you know, if we're not vulnerable, we're not letting anybody in. Where, where no nobody, it's very difficult to connect with, with with us when we're just so closed off, and then we're gonna feel isolated. We're gonna feel like people don't understand me. Um, you know, they don't really get me. But probably you're just not really expressing yourself that much. And uh, of course, there's a fine balance there. Uh, but you know, if you are surrounding yourself with people that have your best interests at heart, and um, you know, I think vulnerability is one of the most beautiful ways to foster connection and, and deepen your ties with the people around you i also believe it's very important for yourself to be just in truth you know so many of us uh, we lie to ourselves in many different ways um you know we lie to ourselves what we're really doing we say we want to lose weight but we don't really do the things that we need to do that we know we huge do. truth bomb um, right there um, you know, we say we want to be fit, but we don't really go to the gym. We, yep. uh, you know, we, we, we say all these things in life, but, you know, there's no congruent action. And, you know, being vulnerable and, and, and being truthful to yourself, I think, is a huge step into turning some of these things around because everything starts with it. Everything. Everything is within you. The world is not going to change unless you change within. The world's not going to look any different. And you are responsible for you. you. You can't change the whole world. You can't boil the ocean. But, you know, we're each, I, I believe that each person is an individual expression of, I call it infinite intelligence, but you can call it God or creator or source or whatever you want. And, you know, we're responsible for this one individual expression. But, you know, all of us together are humanity. And so we all have a ripple effect. How we show up in the world, what we do, the love and compassion and kindness that we bring in the world has a massive ripple effect. In the same way that, you know, if we bring negative emotions into this world, that has a huge ripple effect as well. So, um, you know, we, we, we do control how we show up. You know, and, and me and you, we, we, you brought up a good point. Like, you can, they, they say you can call it what whatever you want. And here's the thing. I like, uh, I stand on, on my foundations and my principles and my beliefs. And me and you have sort of talked about that a little before sure, uh, sure. the podcast and all of that. And I told you that uh, on my podcast, I even had um, a great um, uh Omar Zhang, he, he was a Muslim that came on with, with five steps for being resilient. And so I believe, brother, that that we all can learn from each other. You said it. It all boils down to love, man. We're all on this planet together, and we have to learn to love each other and get along. And we can all build on these whole concepts of, of uh, uh, maybe we don't look the same. Maybe our skin color is different. Maybe some of our beliefs are different. Maybe our political parties are different. But the truth is, we're all called to live on this planet together at the same time. And we have to make it, well, we have to make it work. And, and you know, what do you say to someone right now who is maybe struggling with their mindset, struggling with never enough itis, struggling with whatever and and they're living this life of almost like you called it earlier greed what do you say to somebody that's that's living in that dark hole of cyborg and and what does a life of grace look like what what do you say to them um 
answer that question, I just had something that came up. I'm a huge Elvis Presley fan, and um, you know when I was at Graceland, he had this thing on the wall, and it says, "Never judge a man until you walked a mile in his shoes." Yeah. And I, you know that that really hit home to me, and I still think about that. And that was like 30 years ago. I saw that. Um, you know, we when we meet people in our lives, you know, wherever it is, could be a stranger, could even be a family member, could be someone that you think you know pretty well. We don't really know the pain, the trauma, you know, what they've gone through, uh, what have brought them to this place. And so I think just being more compassionate towards other people and just say, you know, they're, they're just on their journey. They're doing the best they can with the level of consciousness that they're at. Maybe it's hurtful what they're doing to me, but you know, there's a bit of bigger picture there. Right. And, yeah. um, I, I think that's a, that's a huge thing. Now in terms of never enough fighters and, you know, getting off this carousel, I think one of the most important things that I tell people is you need to get really clear what you want to create in life. I call that a spiritual vision, but, um, you know, what, what do you want to stand for? What do you want your legacy to be? What do you want to create? Because I think so many people, you know, they're just chasing a job so they can pay their bills and, you know, make it to the next month. And there's not a big plan going on there. They're just like, you know, doing the things that everybody else is doing. And, um, listen, there's no judgment in that, but, it's not going to give you a deliberately created life. Um, and so I think getting really clear on the spiritual vision and then, you know, once you have that, that's a North star. Now you can see, well, what are the toxic people and situations in my life that aren't serving me, right? That are sucking the energy out of me that are not helping me propel towards this, this life that I want to create for myself. And then within this spiritual vision and this North Star, you can also start assessing your life and say, like, all these things that I'm chasing, is it really getting me happy? Yeah. <laughs> Do I really need all this stuff? Do I need this this house? Do I need a new car? Is that really important to me? It, or, or can I re purpose some of those resources in a different way and actually create freedom to do the things that I really want to do. Because I think most people will find out that it's not a lack of what they make. You know, they're just spending it on stupid stuff and, and, you know, they're wasting resources. It's, it's usually for most people, of course, you know, now with COVID, I mean, there's people who have lost jobs and stuff. And I don't want to uh, ever downplay that there's hardship playing out on, on many different levels. But Absolutely. For, for, for the most part, you know, it's not that people don't make enough money. It's just the notion that their wants are bigger than their their income. And you really got to address, I mean, these wants that I have, do they really make me happy? You know, is that really like, you know, fulfilling me? Is that really giving me satisfaction? And, and once you can strip that back, you know, there's a stoic philosopher called Epictetus, and uh, he always talks about, you know, the man that has few wants is, uh, is abundant forever. And, you know, a lot of these wants that we have, these are mental constructs that we have, you know, we don't really need all this stuff, you know, we don't really need all of that. And if we just dial back our lives a little bit on those fronts, you'll be surprised how much it opens up. You know, I lived for, I, 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 sorry, I, I lived for, um, uh, for the whole idea of more for the longest time, trying to climb that ladder, climb that rung. I wanted to make a hundred thousand, then I wanted to make two hundred thousand, you know. And so, uh, it was this this whole idea of of just as you say, never enough. You talked about a little while ago, um, the people that you surround yourselves with. Uh, since you've changed this mindset, since you've come up with this never enough itis, and you've seen the way this has all transpired in your lifetime, have 
have you changed your inner circle or have you tried to change them? What worked for you? As yeah. far, who do you put yourselves around? Yeah, so I, I, don't, I don't really believe that we can really change other people, right. even our, our, our spouse, right? We are our own healers, by the way. You know, whenever we do this kind of work, we can only hand a person the medicine. People have to heal themselves. They have to own their own healing. And this is on all levels, I believe. Uh, you know, to some extent, even physical, because it's a decision to heal. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, my, my circle of people has changed. Um, you know, I I was part of my business circles. And, uh, you know, these were very high-powered um, men, mostly. And, um, you know, they live certain lifestyles, and they, uh, they have certain... Um, views and and you know i don't want to participate in that anymore sure. i you know i don't want to i don't want to spend my time um you know talking about things that i think are low frequency um i i you know uh, i had this one lunch this is an interesting example i remember like years ago this was five six years ago at this lunch very successful guys all multi-millionaires and this one guy was was discussing how he got a second phone that was an exact replica of his first phone. That was what he called his play phone. Yeah. That he was managing his affairs on that. And um, and this is how screwed up my brain was, right? So, you know, that Monday, I, I told my assistant in, uh, in Bogota to get me an identical phone. I thought it was like a brilliant idea. So your wife doesn't find out. And like, you know, it's just an example. If you, if you, you know, you, 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 pick everything up right even tv shows i i don't watch tv i haven't watched tv for eight years because i don't want this subliminal message come in i don't want to watch drama and violence and i i don't want to see um you know violent shows and wars and that kind of stuff because that goes into your brain that goes into your thing that's not what i want to think about i don't want that stuff to go into my mind the people that you surround your with, the wholesomeness of that is something that affects you greatly whether you believe it or not and so you know, those people that I feel don't really share the same values and outlook on life. Um, you know, I just try to lovingly distance myself and just disinvest my time and effort. It's not that I don't like him. I don't judge him. Nobody's better than anybody else. I mean, everybody's just living their own life. So I respect them. But then I try to find people that I have more in common with, that I find more inspiring, that I find more uplifting, that I can, uh, you know, I can relate more to. I love that. Uh, I love that, man, and and you you nailed it. Like I, I don't want to associate myself with that. I don't want to put myself in a situation watching something, listening to something, uh, around something that I know could alter my mission, that could alter my goal, that could alter my purpose for my life. I'm not going to allow you in to do it like that. And and so. Um, that's so huge for, for all of our listeners to just self-evaluate, just think about who's around you. Who, who do you go, who do you go to lunch with, man? Who's your, who's your lunch dates? You know, who do you, who do you spend your time talking to on the phone? What does your text messages look like? What do they say about you? Do they, do they help you pursue your goal and vision? Love it. Love it. Now, um, as we as we kind of bring this to a close, man, let me tell you, your your story, Robert, is uh, one that I think so many people need to hear. I know of 
uh, uh, so many people that are caught in this trap of more. Uh, and, and we're speaking to myself. We're speaking to you as well. We're speaking to our own hearts here of how how we can get trapped in this. And, and I just think your mission now of trying to help people overcome this never-enough-itis, this is your lane. This is this is where you should be. Tell us how. Tell us more about where we can find this never enough itis, and where we can learn more about uh, you, Robert. Yeah. So my um, there's a there's a website for the book called neveroughitis dot com. Uh, you can find more information on the book. It's available on Amazon. So uh, you know, by all means, uh, if people are interested in reading it, I'd love for you to uh, pick up a copy there. And uh, if you think it's a good read, leave a review as well. That's that's mutually helpful. I'm um, I'm on social media. Uh, I post daily on Instagram, and I talk about a lot of these values and just views of, of life, and just a different way of looking at life. Um, in a more holistic way, I think, uh, a wholesome way. So that uh, my handle on Instagram is the Zen Whisper. Uh, so at the Zen Whisper, you can find me on Facebook as well on that same um, handle. And then um, next week, my website will go up uh, www.thewhisper.com, and you'll find information about my coaching programs. There's a digital course that we have under development called the Zen Mastery Method, uh, but it teaches personal mastery. So. I, I teach basically for people to overcome themselves. And, um, you know, I focus on mind, heart, body, and soul because I believe all four of them are interconnected. And the weakest link is going to determine, you know, where or how much you can ascend in life and grow and evolve. And I believe we need to work on all these dimensions. Uh, you know, we need to have a healthy vessel. We need to have a, a healthy spiritual life, uh, whatever that looks like for some individual. Uh, I, I don't have a particular denomination I push. I think, you know, people should just have a soul life. Um, I definitely, I'm a big believer that, you know, especially men, we need to work on opening our heart and tapping into feeling, you know, uh, and, and have love and compassion and kindness kind of, drive us in what we do and what we establish this world is devoid of of, of compassion and love um, and we're so numb to things in the world we look at all this misery around us and it doesn't really touch us we don't allow it to touch us and i think we really should and then the mind you know the mind is a beautiful instrument it's like a stratifarius and and you know it needs to be finely tuned but then it also needs to have a player and you know we control our mind we can we can do so much with our mind but the egoic mind you know running on its own accord has a lot of malware in it and that's where a lot of these things in our lives comes from you know we have this so you know part of the work that i do is i help people see where this malware is and then we yank it out clean it up you know i i love this um i i think you're exactly right uh even even the bible tells us man that that we can control our mind you know and so it's a beautiful uh a beautiful tool um here that you've got here i think so many people uh, will um, uh, benefit from this. And I, I know the wordplay that I've heard you use right here just in the message. Uh, I'm excited to get a copy of the book. And so um, I, I can't wait to read it for myself. And so uh, f- final words, final thoughts. Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, what, what, I, what I always want to leave everybody with, um, you know, we're not fixed. Because I think so many people have this notion that our life is fixed, we're fixed, and nothing could be further from the truth. You know, we are actually energy. We really are. I mean, if you go to Einstein's quantum physics, you know, we're just energy cells vibrating. And energy can transform. 
And I want everybody to know, <laughs> no, no matter where you find yourself in life right now, how how hopeless it might seem, how desperate it might seem. Uh, and I know what that looks like. I've had suicidal tendencies. I had deep, deep depressions when I was at the, at the, you know, the bottom of the barrel. But you can all, you're not fixed. You can change. You, to, you Today, in this moment, right here, right now, you can decide to change and make a different decision than you made yesterday. And that's all you can do anyway, because we only have right now. And I want... I want to leave that with people because they're so often they, they I feel like they give up or they're hopeless, but it's not hopeless. Every day is a new day. You just show up the way you think you need to show up and just one foot in front of the other. And before you know it, this ripple effect will go throughout your life and your life will shift. It will. It's, it's, it's quantum physics. It has to shift. When you show up differently in life, your life has to shift. It has to respond. We live in a corresponding reality. And so the world is going to shift when you change with it. Beautiful friend, beautiful friend. I love it. And so uh, there you have it, guys. Uh, Robert Althaus. Let me spell that last name if you're looking for him because it threw me a little bit for a loop. Yeah. It's uh, it's a, a Dutch name, so. yeah. It's it's A L T H U I S, and it's pronounced right. Althaus. So That's thank right. you, yeah. thank you, Robert, so much. Appreciate your time. If you'll stand by for just a second. As for our listeners, we will see you in the next couple of days.